Hello, everybody, and welcome to Panels and Bars. This is the podcast where we talk about hip-hop culture and comic book culture. I'm your host, B.B. Manet. Oh, and I'm Patrick Allen. And today, we're going to talk about Loki. With the new series set to start on Disney Plus this week, Patrick and I thought we'd go back and watch all of Loki's six appearances in the MCU so far, starting with Thor and ending with Infinity War. So, Patrick, what do you think? Um, I was surprised by how much progression there is for his character yeah like i feel like a lot of the other marvel characters kind of are very stat like like watching all three thor films thor like just has the same story over <laughs> and over again am i good enough to be thor yes i am <laughs> and it's like over and over again he yeah. does the same things whereas there's this kind of subtle slow progression to loki that's actually very satisfying yeah so that and in ragnarok when he comes forward and he's all like you know what Maybe I actually do want to be nice to you. Obviously, there's a bit of you that's still like, he's lying. Yeah. <laughs> but to a certain extent, like, you can see him grow over the course of those films yeah. in a way that I don't think is actually very common. For no, Marvel. it's true. And you know, what's, what's interesting is that you talked about his arc. I almost feel like he and Thor have the same arc, but Thor yeah. obviously has to achieve it in one film. They're both slightly arrogant, pompous, you know, these, these royal rich boys who have to grow into being mature. And, and I think, to be, fine, to be fair, in the first film, Loki actually slightly is more of the people, which is why he despises the idea that Thor might be in charge, because like this oath doesn't yeah. care about Asgard. Um, but yeah, I think they both had the same arc, and obviously Thor, being the hero, has to come to it towards the end. But to see him go from being that trickster to like literally being willing to sacrifice his life for his brother in the final film, or second to last film, is kind of amazing. Um, I think Hiddleston really sells that journey throughout the whole thing. Yeah, he really does. Well, what I also thought was really interesting was how in Thor 2, their mum dies, and Thor doesn't get any sort of meaningful kind of interaction with that yeah. until until Endgame. Yeah. And like it's it's like in Endgame, they're all like, oh, yeah, his mum died, maybe he could be sad about that. <laughs> and like he kind of he mentions it a bit in Infinity War, but like there's no emotional resonance to that to that experience yeah. there's just him looking angry and sad and then just carrying on being thor whereas like the moment like thor 2 was quite bad like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna yeah. sugarcoat that we re i rewatched it and it's it's still like there was a bit in the middle where where odin showed them a picture book uh, and the picture book was animated and after the film finished, I was all like, I think that was the best bit. <laughs> that, that short sequence where he showed them See, another bit. It's book. funny because I, when I was watching it, I thought, you know what? I think the Dark World, in my mind, might be the Rogue One of the MCU. And what I mean by that is I always remembered it as being not really good, but quite good. And then when I rewatched it for this, I realized it's like Rogue One in that it looks really good. It's actually visually a stunning film. Yeah, it's really pretty. The, the, the CGI is great. There's some great set pieces. It's just filmed in a really cool way. And I think I've always retained those screenshots in my head and been like, it's a decent film. Why is everyone knocking it? And I watched it and I was like, that, this is why everyone's knocking it. It's not very good. The villain is like forgettable. It's terrible. And, you know, it's funny. We're talking about Loki. Loki's one of the best parts of it. Tom Hiddleston does some of his best acting. Um, yeah, he's he's great. He's it? great. Like the scene when the mum has passed away and Thor comes to see him and we realize it's just this pretense and he's actually, he's destroyed his room and he's distraught. Um, yeah. He just nails yeah, well, that's, it. Yeah, that's what I was getting to. That, that sequence where we see him and it's silent and he destroys the room is really powerful. Yeah. Like it's really, it's beautifully shot. It's, it, and then he's, he's silent and you're just seeing him visually and he sells the emotion of that moment 
better than all the people talking in that film. Yeah. Um, because he's just, I mean, in fairness, like that's, it's probably worth, you know, it's probably worth bringing up at this point. Hiddleston is just ridiculously talented. He really like is. he's, he really he's is. fantastic. Like it's a really nuanced character yeah. with kind of all these different elements where he's, he's kind of pompous and arrogant and evil, but he is also loving and considerate. And he, you know, he has those moments with his mum, which are the, the bit where she, where he's all like, he's not my dad. And then she's like, well, am I not your mum then? Mm-hmm. And like, again, like he doesn't say anything, but you feel his response to that. Like she kind of catches him out and it's, it's, yeah. It, there's points at which I'm all like, I believe that guy yeah. is Anthony Hopkins' son. Yes. Like, because, <laughs> because he's doing the same kind of, in a way that with Thor, like, like I really like Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. I think he's a really charming guy, but, he doesn't seem like he's related to Anthony no, Hopkins. No, no. <laughs> you know I mean? Like he's just not really got that. Like Anthony Hopkins has got that kind of effortless gravitas, where yes. he, you know, he could be, he can be describing, a, you know, a door, and you're all like, <laughs> "God, I am gripped." Like, what's he, he going to say next? How how is the handle? Um, and like, and Hilton does that. Like, he's got moments where. And he does so much with so little. When when in Ragnarok, when Thor's telling the story about him turning into the snake, uh, and everybody remembers that because it's a great moment. It's really funny. Yeah. And Chris Helmsworth delivers it really well. But it cuts back to Loki, and he's just got this little smirk on his face. And, yeah, and he's that's just like, you need. like, he's really enjoying the story <laughs> yeah. of that time he was a dick. <laughs> and, and, like, and I think that that kind of like, and it's really interesting because he shouldn't be likable. Yeah, like if you read him on paper, he should be awful. Yeah, but there's something about the performance that makes him like awesome. Like I, I, I love him. He's yeah. the best thing in those movies. And it's it's bizarre because we're what like a decade plus into this franchise now, and whether you ask a diehard fan or a casual fan, there's only two villains that people really will name, and that's Thanos and Loki. And it's just weird they've had some of the greatest actors of all time in this franchise. Now they've had Robert Redford and Josh Brolin, all these amazing people. And somehow those two are the only two. I don't know what it is. It's, it's weird. Cause as you say, like throughout all the films, it doesn't matter what the quality are that camera, that character resonates with people. But yeah. I, I, don't know I, mean, why, I don't know why Kevin Feige or the guys can't replicate it, but there's just something about that character. It works. You, you, I mean, you, I would also say there are other good villains. But then they die at the end of one movie. This is so, it. like, yeah. like when when I watched Ragnarok, Hella was good. Like, Kate Blanchett's having a lot of fun yes. being that character. Do you know what I mean? Like, Killmonger's the best character in the MCU, yeah, sure. wise. But then at the end of their movies, they just explode, and then it's just like, <laughs> well, see you later. And the thing with Hiddleston is that, like, Loki kind of became the backbone of it. Like, yeah. he kind of for the first, especially for Phase One, like he's the most consistently appearing character who kind of weaves these movies together more so than why well, other than iron man obviously but like yeah like when i rewatched the iron man movies a couple of months ago it was really notable how like, there's no growth to like robert downey jr's iron no. man like he's very likable at the start of the first one and then he's a bit like maybe i shouldn't build things that murder <laughs> tons of people but that happens pretty early on and then like from there on out his entire arc is Am I good enough to be Iron Man? Yes, I am. Should I quit being Iron Man? I don't think I will. Oh, I shouldn't. Yeah, <laughs> like, and, and Thor's the same. It's just constantly all like, you know the funny am thing about I? Iron Man is, like, Elsa 
when you watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier and the Wakandans gift um, Falcon his new Captain America suit, it's nice. But I couldn't help but think, wait, in Far From Home, didn't he leave Peter a 3D printer that can customise whatever suit you want for it? Why do the Wakandans have to give Captain America a suit? Tony's a dick. Surely that suit yeah. should have been left to all the Avengers. Why, why, why have... Why have none of them got any money? Yeah, like Hawkeye you know I mean? is just like, like doing missions in like a leather jacket <laughs> and Tony's... you have a 3D printer that can make invincible suits. Tony can afford to buy skyscrapers in downtown Manhattan. <laughs> but Sam's like, I need a loan. <laughs> I, need, I need a bank loan. And then the banker all like, ah, no, man. Are you sure you're going to get paid again anytime soon? Like, surely the answer to that should be, I've briefly met Iron Man. Yeah. Even if you've been like in his orbit, surely the bank should be all like, oh, that guy's basically for it. made a cash, yeah. isn't he? Like, you know, like, like what's what's Pepper doing? Right. Did she inherit all that money? And like, it's like, it also like when you put it like that, you're like, I kind of see why we why we were rooting for Loki because it's like root for this guy who's been really hard done by and lied to his whole life, or root yeah. for the billionaire who doesn't really help anyone apart from when it makes him look good. <laughs> Well, yeah, and in fairness, I really like when, like, I think it's kind of undersold, but, like, during that period where Loki's pretending to be Odin and he's in charge of Asgard, things look pretty good in Asgard. Yeah, everyone's having right? fun and they're enjoying the when, play. <laughs> yeah, when Thor and Odin are in charge, people get attacked all the yeah. time. There's constant explosions. There's, there's, they're always giving big, pretentious speeches. When, when Loki's in charge, everyone's just kind of sitting about, and they all seem fine, right? right? Like, that's a solid five years or so there where things are okay in Asgard, primarily because apparently he is a pretty good king. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, sure, he likes plays about himself and sitting about eating grapes, but, like, that's, that's you know, like, that's a relatively minor crime for a royal person in general, right? Like, you reminded me of something in the dark world, uh, which is the little nerd just needs to get out of me. So, the beginning of Dark World, Thor is talking to Odin, and he says there will never be a wiser king. And Odin says something to the effect of, you know, don't try and butter me up and blah, blah. At the end of the film, Odin says to Thor, you said there would never be a wiser king. You were wrong. It is you. But then we find out that it's Loki. How does Loki know that Thor said that to Odin? I think what's particularly upsetting about the end of the Dark World is that that moment between Thor and Odin is really nice. Yeah. And it feels like a really natural progression of their relationship. And then they never actually and had then, it. And then, and then, yeah, like, you know, he's not actually there at all. He's in an old people's home. This is, I this guess. is a thing as well. Like, I mean, I know the probably, you know, it's probably a thing with the MCU where Feige is basically writing these storylines and he gives them to the script writer and says, this needs to happen, this needs to happen. So I know it's not there for. But that film really just, the more you think of it, and the more the sequel try and retcon certain parts of it, it's just like, there are so many things that don't make sense in that film. Yeah. And a lot I of mean, Loki's trickery is one of those things. Was he really stabbed? Was he not? If he was stabbed, how was he fine? Who cares? <laughs> As well, like, that's the real problem with like, with the Dark World. Like, I, I would 100% agree with you that it's the Rogue One of, of the MCU, because it's shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> like Rogue One, which is a terrible film. Uh, but, like... There's, there's like, there's so much in there that's being all like, this is very important, and the sound and the direction and the script are saying to you, this is very important. But then you sat there and you're all like, is it though? Is it though? Like, really? Like, is, is like, it's, it's, it repeats so many beats from the first film. Yeah. And 
and Loki's Loki's arc is very similar. Like both of them follow him, you know, being kind of smug and then trying to take over. Except in the second one, I guess he succeeds. So he does at least, unlike Thor, have some sort of development there. Yeah. The second time he pulls it off, um, and like, but like so much of it is like it's like you said, it's the, the cinematography is lovely, and and it keeps on presenting you with these grand things of being all like, is this not? big and exciting and I'm kind of all like I see that it should be yeah like all the bits are here and yet I, I don't care like and it's so it's in such direct contrast when you watch them back to back with Ragnarok yeah which doesn't take itself seriously Absolutely. it's not pretentious it doesn't act like it's a big deal and yet it's got more meaningful character progression for Thor, Odin and Loki than any of the other films yeah. that they're in and it's also got a really warm kind of like that film sells the am i good enough to be thor yes in fact i am good enough to be thor story so much better than the first two do yeah uh because he's like a real person he's vulnerable and and you know i do think that there's kind of an irritating repetition with thor where like much like iron man he seems to learn these lessons and then another film starts and they're all like, but people liked Thor the way he was. Yeah. Maybe we could, maybe we could just have him be like that again. And it's what really, lesson will it's he learn? really weird because if you look at Captain America in comparison, he has a really nice complete trilogy where episode one, he is this product of the government and he's yeah. very patriot, patriotic and he wants to represent the country and he believes that they're doing the right thing. In episode two, he starts to doubt what the government is doing. And then he learns that, you know, Hydra's infiltrated the government. So really, he can't trust them at any level. In episode three, he is a war criminal on the run. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's yeah, like, he looks... he, that's the only time they've got it. They never seem to, like, like you say with the others, the others are like, oops, we already did an arc. Let's just copy and paste it for a trilogy. Yeah, I think it's a real shame, actually, that Civil War's, like, got so many other superheroes copy and pasted into it feel like it's kind of like an avengers movie because actually it would be a much better movie if it wasn't kind of like an avengers movie yeah like it would be like i mean that that one scene in the airport is great but so much is the (laughs) avengers talking about that Uh, yeah i know it's not as good as the comic book but you know so much of the film is leading up to that when like as you say the this bucky cap and iron man is really all that film needs and not even that much iron man really and um and zemo zemo's Excellent in that film. I don't think he knew what to do with him in the TV show, but he's great in that film. I enjoyed him in the TV show. I enjoyed him in the film, but I I do kind of have a problem where it's like, haha, let's make memes of him. He murdered loads of people. He murdered that (laughs) many people. I don't know. The explosion at the UN was a pretty big deal. Less people than the Avengers murdered in Civil War. Do you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) like, he's, he's like, He's probably not top of the murder scale, is he? Like, and no. we're always having a laugh with Iron Man. I was going to say, we're also, over, we're also having a laugh years. with Loki, and Loki's killed a bunch of people as well. Yeah. And over Tony's years of being a weapons manufacturer, oh, he yeah. must have indirectly killed more people than everybody else put together, right? Yeah, like, true. But the only reasonable villain for Tony in the first movie was that guy who he worked for slash with. <laughs> because, like, that guy's even more complicit in <laughs> his crimes yep. and it's a bit like again though i think that it's not really fair to compare iron man to any of the others because when you watch him back it doesn't 
feel like any of the other MCU films. No. It's very, it's hedging its bets in quite a number of directions. Yeah, being sure. like, does this work? Does this bit work? I kind of remember it as the prototype of the MCU, but actually, it's really not. Like Captain America, Thor, those are assured. Even Iron Man 2 are kind of like films where they kind of get the, 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 the formula down, yeah. I suppose. Uh, but the first Iron Man and Hulk are very much like they're fucking weird films, yeah, like really especially in comparison. But like, and then the thing, the other thing that I'd say for for Thornton, you know, is that it is kind of like rubbish, but it does also have moments where it's not exactly the same. Like there are some, there are times now when I was watching back through them, like I got to some of the films, like like Captain Marvel, like on paper, I like everything about Captain Marvel. I like yeah. her. I like I like her having to punch Jude Law in the face because he's <laughs> he's the most punchable man on earth. Like like I like I like the nineties setting. I yeah. like the music. I like Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. I like cats. Like it has got everything I would want. But then there's a level at which you watch it and you're all like, God damn, this is the same, isn't it? Like this it is, is the same and, and movie. It has this weird I don't know what it is. It has a sense of it just being like, you're having fun, aren't you? Aren't you having fun? It's like, I don't think so, movie. I think you want me to be having fun, but I'm not I'm not there with you. Well it also it also leans a bit hard into the like it's set in the nineties. And like I'm like she's wearing a nine inch nails t shirt and I'm all like, yeah, cool. Like, yeah. I mean I remember the nineties. But then there's that bit where she's all like, it's blockbuster. Yeah. Remember blockbuster <laughs> guys. <laughs> and like remember what, and I, I remember what yeah. And again, what I'd say for Thor too is that like maybe this only works for an English person. But like there were bits of it in London where they were being all like, ah, it's a tube. And I was all like, yeah, yeah, all right. You know, like at least I haven't seen this in like I've seen so many movies set in New York. Yeah. So many superhero movies that are like, hey, New York's nice, isn't it? And I'm all like, I don't know, man, I've never been there. Like I, I, I got like I've got nothing. Like my entire experience of New York is through films. So it may be that's what it's like. It, it seems consistent with other <laughs> films, but like, yeah, like there's bits of Thor two where like there's like it's the like little things where they they park the car and then she gets sucked into the magic void and and the red goo goes into her and she comes back out and the car's just like trashed and covered in graffiti. <laughs> <laughs> I was all like, yeah, that's so lovely. That's yeah. like, <laughs> I, mean, I think I think not to the same extent, but I think Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two suffers from the same thing with dark world which is that one both installments first installments were like surprise hits and then two they like obviously just focus grouped them to death and so they've gone oh people like the jokes people like this let's just copy and paste so in thor they were like oh everyone liked the romance so let's make the romance a central thing everyone liked the jokes everyone liked darcy so now like darcy has her own storyline which goes nowhere, and it's just too much and I felt that way in Guardians too, but I think Guardians has, at least has more moments that save it. But for Thor, it's I just love like, Guardians too. I think Guardians is as good as the first. You know what's weird? I liked it when I was watching it when it came out in the movies. When I've watched it back since, I'm like, it's good. I don't know if it's as tight as the first. I think that what I like about it is that, like, I think that it kind of recognizes that Chris Pratt's not like he's got a you know I mean he's got a thing there, and they're all like who's that blah 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 but it kind of recognizes that his character's not got a lot of places to go yeah so it zeroes in on like his relationship with yondu which works really well and uh, i really like them giving drax a friend 
like because that's a really fun dynamic for him and it works really well based off the first film and yeah. stuff i think rocket's arc in the second one is excellent it's the only meaningful character work rocket gets across any of the films he's in um i, I, but th- really... I think they let drax down though in that respect because i don't think anyone was expecting much of batista in that first film and the moments when he talks about his family he nails yeah. those and i would have wanted to see more of that more of that growth and more of that emotion but they were like haha drax funny when drax say stupid thing and so that they just turned that up to 11 and drax yeah, there's some funny ugly. yeah there's some fun, you know but it's like it just felt like, like a shame to have that foundation and it's to toss it away in a second and you know he's barely in any of the infinity war films so and it's it's gamora and nebula for me though like their oh, arc runs really smoothly through yeah. In fact, it runs really smoothly into Avengers, Infinity yeah. War, and then they're all like, "But also, Gamora dead, and now new Gamora has appeared, and she yeah. doesn't remember any of that." So let's just wind wind back a little. But you know, know what it's we interesting because that's that's an interesting <laughs> parallel with Loki because they're basically the only two characters, two actors in the whole MCU, who are going to get to be able to, hopefully, if the writers and the directors give them the freedom, basically take their characters in completely new directions you know yeah, Gamora might a fall in love with with star lord in the future films you know why would she she's you know she's really being a bit flirty with the thor so that could go somewhere you know um well yeah and 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 i did think there was a level at which like i kind of um you got to the end of in, in endgame like it they, they were all like hey remember loki before all his character development well what if he him and it's just like it feels to a certain extent like they've gone where do we take loki from the end of ragnarok yeah and the answer is nowhere because he's not interesting no. like i liked him getting that that kind of like it's like uh it's like do you remember shrek 4 like <laughs> <laughs> at the end of shrek 3 shrek has all these kids uh is shrek for the one where he makes the wish yeah yeah and he's happy at the end of shrek 3 but also he's boring yeah. and we don't want to watch a film of him so at the end of the Shrek 4, he has to be all like, I wish that I hadn't had things happen to me that happened to me in the other films. <laughs> and then they can just make him the character from the start of the first film again. Yeah. And then we can watch a film about that. And at the end, he can be all like, now I will return to, to, to the end of Shrek 3. And it's kind of like, there's a level at which when you take a character to the logical end point, you also have to have the kind of courage to let go. Yeah. But because of the way franchise movies work, can't. can't do that yeah so it makes more sense to yeah to like to take a version from pluck a version from earlier in time and be all like let's do it again than it does like except that this loki won't have thor around i suppose yeah. he'll he's he's been severed from time and him and owen wilson at time police it looks like, yeah so it's interesting because it makes me think of um when the cleveland show came out um seth mcfarlane was asked why cleveland not quagmire who was the obvious choice for a spin-off and he said, when you pitch these things to networks, you, the character has to learn a lesson at the end of every episode. And Quagmire's thing famously is that he only cares about Quagmire. So yeah. when I tried to pitch it as he just has sex with random women all the time, they're like, that's not going to work for us. Um, not, there's no show there. There's no show there. <laughs> like, he needs to learn a lesson at the end of it. And he said, I wasn't interested in that. So we went Cleveland because you've got the family wholesome thing. And, you know, Disney's the last network I would expect to take that chance. But... I would quite like Loki to just be him being a dick on a weekly basis yeah. and not really getting those lessons and not having that growth. Because we, as you said, we've seen a great arc from him. We've seen him mature. We've seen him learn the value of his family as he's lost each member in each installment. 
he's plays he plays meddlesome and mischievous really well just let him do well, that also... and if you have to in- introduce a new c- character who can maybe grow just from seeing Lo- loki you know yeah yeah i think that actually the other thing is that like they could really work with the idea that he won't grow because yeah. he's not with thor yeah and actually their relationship is what made him grow and change and become a better person yeah so if he's removed from that relationship he will probably naturally just continue to be the way he was his entire life aside from when thor kind of forced him into a corner and said to him i care about you you're a good person there are things about you that i believe in because without that influence there i mean maybe owen wilson would do that yeah um but like yeah without that influence there i think it is possible that he will just continue to be him like sean of any sort of i i i do think like have you seen that episode of rick and morty with the time police where yes. they look they look like big tech like i did think like that's the premise of this show Pretty right much. like yeah. what seems their time what, what I've, I've noticed a lot of people online say though is there's apparently really clever imagery in a lot of the clips that we've seen so far and so it looks like it's not just mcu history but it looks like it's things that have happened in our real history and we're going to find out that loki's either responsible for those or he is trying to rectify them in some way so there's a name i completely forget it but there was a guy who he was responsible for a lot of plane hijackings in the american in the 50s and they never found out who he was so he has this kind of like pseudonym it's a bit like how you'd have edward or um what's the word i'm thinking of john doe um yeah but it's it was it's a, it's, a, it's one unique to him and if you look really closely in the in the uh trailer apparently a sketch of loki has replaced the famous sketch that's existed of this guy. So something's going to happen where I guess Loki ends up taking that guy's place back and he becomes this fictitious guy that's always been robbing planes. So it looks like they're playing with real world history. So that could be quite interesting. I could see that. The thing is that like, what I would say for both of uh, my expectations for the show is that it will be really interesting and it will take the MCU to new and interesting places. And then in the last episode or two, there will be boring CG punching yep. and it will have a shit ending. Yeah. Because that was pretty much the track of the other two. Like, yes. like when, when Captain America's shit friend started, I was a bit like, this is going to be awful. Like, I've seen more than I need to of these characters. Yeah. And then the first episode opened up and it was all like, does Bucky need therapy though? Would Sam have trouble getting a bank loan because he's black even though he's a superhero? And I was all like, these are questions I'm here for. Yeah. Like, this is, this is interesting, <laughs> isn't it? Like, um, and like, and I was really like, oh, and there were moments in there, moments with Isaiah and when Sam got stopped by the police and stuff, where I was all like, this has got something really interesting to say. But then in the last episode, they were all like, but also, what if CGI punching? <laughs> uh, and Division was very much like, Division had a good core to it. Yeah. It went all the way through. It delivered on her story of grief and loneliness. But I could have done without so much stupid fighting in the there, last there episode only two episodes like, i didn't like one was that first episode where we saw we had the catch-up um episode three or four where it yeah. was all like hey you and know I, all those things you assumed let's show let's show you. and this is my thing and I, I get it i've spoken to a lot of people who have friends and family who weren't in the mc into the mcu who for the first three episodes were going why are we watching a 50 sitcom so those people did need to catch up but i think for all of us who theorize on the net and threw around our ideas it just felt like a wasted. Like we'd got this, we've guessed all of this. Move on. So I didn't like that. Also, and then the finale. Also, was like, like, yeah, just what happened there. Also, like, don't make something that everybody will appreciate. Like, you're there, there, there. 
desperation to blandify everything to the point where anybody like to da vinci code everything into into non-existence yeah like make a show that people turn off after three episodes yeah do it like because the people who stay will love your show yes and the people who leave probably weren't ever going to be anything other than, and i understand that maybe you want millions of casual viewers instead of a small number of, of really but i think that if you if you let it be genuinely unique it will get more repeat views on Disney Plus. People will yeah. people will come back to watch it, and they will go. People will go. Hey, this was really. It was a really solid whole piece. Like I've I've personally found that my Disney Plus subscription has been like a weird investment. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like like I I watched all the Marvel films and I watched One Division and 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 uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier when they were coming out. But there was a level at which I was kind of like. All right, so what else? And there's it's there's a million things on there. Yeah, there really are. And I constantly find myself just flicking through them, being like, nah, I don't think so. Nah, I don't think so. Nah, nah. Over and over again. And actually, things like Mandalorian and those two TV shows are what have kind of been driving attention and and stuff. And and there was way more attention during the episodes where one division was weird and no one yeah. knew what the hell was happening than there was during the episodes where they went this is what is happening. Sit down while we explain to you. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, you, know, you, just, you just spoke about Mandalorian. And I think the most divisive episode I've seen so far has been spoiler alert for the season that's been over for like half a year now. Um, Luke's appearance, you know, because yes. it, I think the strength of that show was, yeah, it's obviously main saga adjacent, but it does its own thing. And then once you start involving Fett and Luke it just kind of felt like, can we not tell a story in this vast, expansive universe without somehow being dragged into the Skywalker saga? And it feels like the same thing with these Marvel TV shows. It's like, you've got these characters where you have the potential to explore genres that you've never explored before and film things and direct things the way you've never done before. And yet somehow we're going to end with CG punching. <laughs> I mean, like, a hot take. be another way. I mean, a hot take here, but like, I was okay with Luke showing up. It was hot. cool, don't get me wrong, but... I also would have loved to have seen them. It would just be great to see this Mandalorian go to a completely other side of the galaxy that no other Mandalorian has and meet characters that no one else has. I don't know. Do you, I kind of think that outside of Jedi's, Star Wars isn't great. Like, people are constantly all like, it's such an exciting setting. And I'm a bit like, is it? Or is it like all other sci-fi, but kind of dirty? Like, there's not really, like, the laser swords and the Jedi powers what stops it just being like Buck Rogers or any other sci-fi setting. So when you'd remove them, like there were bits of Mandalorian that I liked, although they like, like Marvel, they never quite deliver on what I'm looking for. Like there was that episode where he dressed up as a Imperial soldier and they had to go into the base and all the people were cheering for them. And I was all like, are we going to have a moment here where we realize that, you know, the stormtroopers are people and that maybe they're not so different from us. And then they met a really, really mean empire guy <laughs> and i was all like all right well you know he's a real dick so yeah. you know fair enough but bill burr was talking about how he used to be part of the empire and he was like doing a whole we're not so different you and i and i was all like this is kind of interesting yeah. like like sam's like sam's stuff at the bank and stuff and then they went to leave the base and he blew it up and killed a thousand people <laughs> and they were all like yay we killed everybody and i was like ah oh. so i mean they're not so different but also they can die because they're wearing the wrong exactly, outfit. Exactly, yeah. Um and like and 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 yeah, 
all Marvel stuff is always a bit like that. It constantly raises these interesting questions and goes, hey, this is an exciting idea, isn't it? And I'm all like, yeah, it is. And then they're all like, also, though, what if that exciting idea got repeatedly punched in the face by somebody with a flag on him? This is it, and because, like, like, one yeah. thing about Ragnarok, and I do love that film, and, you know, word on to Taika Waititi in the cast, like, everyone nails it. I don't think there's a moment and I don't like, but there's an element of uh, I don't like, which is that for however close they are, or, you know, up and down the relationship is, I almost feel like Loki should side with Hela rather than Thor. Because yeah. they have way more in common. They've both been lied to or, you know, at least lied about and had their legacy kind of tarnished and, and confused with Odin. You know, and, and I think Loki, from when he first learns of, you know, who he truly is and, and that he was... You the, know, the Frost Giant. The Frost Giant, which is never addressed again. Yeah, <laughs> he, just... he should completely associate with her. He should sympathize with her and be like, you know what? I looked up to him too. And he lied yeah. to me about who I am and, and the history. So I see where you're coming from and I see why you'd have this anger. And it's also weird, ev given everything that we've seen in the past two films about the way Asgard handles diplomacy and how they're, they're, they're people ready for war, but you know, they, Odin's always taught them that's not the first thing to do. It's weird that Hela turns up and then they immediately get into a massive fight. Well, I think that it's also like, there's a lot of leeway there with, time isn't there oh, yeah yeah like, I get it. film's got a she's film, all but like <clears throat> but she's all like she's all like it was a long time ago and there's no real kind of clarity on how long ago yeah. he fought the frost giants and how long ago he found loki and how long ago thor was like thor mentioned thor occasionally he's like i'm thousands of years old yeah and like that's that's it like but there's no like how far back because then occasionally there's flashbacks in dark world there's flashbacks yeah um and he's fighting the dark elves yeah like, he still looks pretty old in those flashbacks yeah, yeah so because well, they use anthony hopkins yeah <laughs> but like but there's like there's a level at which it's kind of like with the asgardians being borderline ageless they're kind of like it's it, it's there's no real need to kind of clarify when anything happens yeah it's also got this really weird feeling like like Thor and Loki have existed on this kind of unchanging continuum for thousands of years, yeah. and then suddenly, at the exact moment that we start observing them, there's there's lots of character growth. Yeah. There? Like <laughs> it's like it seems weird that like like I don't get that. I feel like Thor, in a lot of ways, would work better as kind of a Mad Max character, where he is consistent and observes other pe and participates in other people's stories. Yeah, because like. It's really like they treat him like a teenager in a lot of ways. And then he's all like, I'm 5,000 years old. And you're all like, cool. So when did you go to, like, when did you go to, to Norway? Yeah. And, and tell people about Thor. Like, how, how long ago is, is that? And, and when is Frost Giants? Yeah. Like, and, and, and when is Hela? And like, So like ah, a picture of me, and I was a bit like, yeah, you know, like that seems that seems a little like, like, surely if you're Odin and you've got this deep dark secret, maybe you'd paint over it instead of building another yeah, just over on the top of it that could easily be smashed. Yeah, yeah, like there's just bits there. Like, why did he keep a giant demon wolf in the basement? Right, like, like, like burn that thing, burn it, man. Like, <laughs> also completely unrelated, but something I wondered. 
because there's a lot of stuff in Asgard which isn't explained in any of the films. Yeah. One of the things that really bugs me is, is Heimdall like Superman where he has to learn to tune everything out because we're given the impression he can see everything. That Every- must be horrible. Well, there's also like... Because <laughs> there's like, nine there's realms that- and he can see and hear everything all the time. Well, there's that bit in Thor 2 as well where he's all like, yeah, yeah, Natalie Portman's fine. I look at her all the time. And he's all like, oh, shit, where's she gone? It's like, <laughs> so, but wait, like, are you looking at her? Or, like, can you see everything? Yeah. But, or do you have to be, do you have to be looking? Yeah. Because if you have to be looking, then you're essentially, you've got no more ability to perceive things than a regular person. <laughs> yeah. You can just see them from real far. Yeah. But then like, but then wherever they are, they go, Heimdall. Come get me. Yes, and he's, and he's and ready he, for and, them. And he can, and he can hear them. And surely, any... surely, it can't just be one group of people that leaves Asgard at a time. So what if Odin went somewhere and and Thor went somewhere? Do you have to wait in line to use the Bifrost? <laughs> well, I assume, in fairness, quite often when they go, Heimdall, bring me home. He doesn't. Like, because yeah. I'm guessing he was looking somewhere else, wasn't he? Like, I was. I'm sorry, I was looking over there. I was looking at yeah. Realm 16. I mean, yeah. Maybe what's, you guys... what's quite interesting is the first time Thor does it in the Dark World, he says, "When you're ready, Heimdall." So it's like, yeah, yeah, he's probably a cue. <laughs> like, but it's yeah, it's like it's, and I kind of I admire that in some ways because it's a setting that works quite well. I do think that there are weird things like the fact that in the first one it's so medieval, and in the second one they've got like spaceships and guns. It's a bit <laughs> like, like when did like did 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 Asgard develop guns in between those two movies? Yeah, or. Did they always have guns? But just in the first one, there were no like gun. Well, it's weird because by the situation. time by the time he meets the guardians and we find out he can speak Groot and you know he's met all these other, they they're trying to retcon and pave over the cracks and say, well, Asgard's just a place in space, and you know, so of course they know everyone else in the universe. But that's not how they present it in the first. In the first, it's really like these realms and these territories that are like like Asgard and they have their you know the frost giants kingdom is just the frosty version of Asgard but then they quickly realize oh wait no if it's floating in space maybe they know the space people so there's there's a lot of inconsistency with the lore of Asgard they, it's almost like they don't know themselves as they're writing these films how it like factors into space yeah and like Valkyrie is just in space yeah and like and they're all like hey it's you from asgard and she's all like yeah yeah and people seem to know about but it's not like they're like oh, asgard's a big deal isn't it like it's just kind of it's just kind of a, a random space destination yeah then um I'm but then sure, like doesn't, doesn't at one point doesn't rocket say something to the effect of asgard's real like he'd obviously heard of it but then re- didn't realize it was a real thing so it's like does it have a no? Point? That's when he's talking about the place where giant Peter Dinklage lives. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. He's cool. the Thor's like, we need to go to see giant Peter Dinklage so that he can make me an axe, <laughs> and and Rocket's all like, I've heard of the place where giant Peter Dinklage lives. <laughs> um, I, I've heard of that. That is is that real? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, like surely though, all space civilizations, like I mean, obviously logically in reality. <laughs> None of the space civilizations would have encountered each other because the galaxy is unbelievably huge. Yes, the universe yeah. is, is is impossibly huge and stuff. And like, and Guardians has got a real kind of like wishy-washy. There's jump gates. Yeah. There's like specific places you have to go to travel between planets. And like, Glen Close and the Glen Closeites, whatever they're called. The Nova Corps, yeah. Uh, yeah, the Nova Corps. <laughs> I remember. Um, they're they're kind of like space police yeah, and they appear all over the place and stuff. But then this but is another then, thing. How come they've never encountered this Guardians? Surely Asgard would fall under their jurisdiction. It's just so wishy-washy. Do they know 
Yeah. Do they know Thor? Yeah, this like, is it. If they do know Thor, which realm are they? Can they not call Thor yes, and be all yeah. like, hey, we're having a big problem with uh, Lee Pace? What's his name? I'm really not Ronan. good with I'm, Ronan, yeah, sorry. I'm real good with actor names, but I'm not so great with uh, with characters. Beware names. the threat of Lee Pace. Lee Pace, yeah, he's all blue, isn't he? Like, blue Lee Pace is real scary. He's been beaten twice um, in the MCU. Yeah, and he, like, the Nova Corps are really funny as well because they're like space police and they're like really important. And then there's that bit in Infinity War though where they're all like, yeah, it was destroyed. But <laughs> <laughs> like, well, like, the whole thing is Glenn Close dead? Yeah. Like, like, I know Peter Serafinovich died. Yeah. What about, what about John, John O'Reilly? Like, well, like, 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 they, they really, it seems so weird that they hired Glenn Close. Well, it's funny, you know, I don't know if you saw it, but she actually, um, she spoke about it when the film came out and just said flat out, right, I don't know what the, this character is. I don't know what these comic books are. They offered me a lot of money, so I took it. Like on the campaign like, trail, she was pretty honest about like, I just did it for the paycheck. But it feels like that's a piece of casting and a positioning which lends itself to returning, right? Yeah. Like, like, it's really weird that in Guardians 2, Aisha is is there and then... They they strongly hint at her coming back and Adam Warlock in the in the post credit sequence and stuff, like, but like why put Glenn Close in that role? Like yeah. she's she's a very good actress yeah. and her job in Guardians is to basically like stand in the background saying stupid things and then disappear. I'm, and then... I'm pretty sure that's the only way they convinced her. It's like you're not gonna have to do that much work. We'll, we'll, set, yeah, don't up, worry. we'll set up a teleprompter for you. <laughs> and then I'm we'll assuming she has seen bucket it. Full of money. I'm assuming you should go on the list of people who haven't seen yeah. that movie that they're in anyway. Like, uh, like, because what's his face? Paul Bettany's not seen Iron Man. And, no. Um, when Diana Rigg, before Diana Rigg died, she gave an interview saying that she'd never watched Game of Thrones. She didn't know anything about... Not surprised. Uh, she'd, she'd been in, like, a bunch of episodes, but she had no... She was like, I don't, I well, there's, care, a, like... there's a great episode of The Chef Show on Netflix where Gwyneth Paltrow is talking to Jon Favreau and doesn't realise that she's in Far From Home. Um, yeah. And Homecoming because she basically films a lot of the um, Pepper stuff back to back and they just like, you'll be in something, don't worry about it. And so she just doesn't even know what film she's in. Why would she care? Yeah. Yeah, have, you, have you watched that Friends reunion? Um, I haven't. I find the format really weird. I thought it was going to be it... an actual new episode and the fact it's just them sitting and reminiscing is like, okay. I th- I th- have you watched the Fresh Prince one? I have and I kind of wish I hadn't because I feel like Will Smith's a bit of a dick now. I liked that Fresh Prince reunion. I thought that it was really like it, the, that one's much better than the Friends one because yeah. the Fresh Prince one at least has the like like they address the change in actresses with Aunt Viv and and Will Smith talks to her and yeah. it's all like yeah I was a real dick when I was twenty sorry yeah. and like that 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 was and there's that bit where they all sit around and watch the the video about Uncle Phil yeah. and then cry yeah like that's like that was really good like it's the Friends one's much worse formatted than that because it's all anchored around James Corden interviewing yeah that was another thing um, I just can't be watching this he's not in it very much okay that's what I would say um and then there's also bits where they're behind the scenes watching bits and stuff but there was some really interesting stuff where they were saying like they were saying like like both uh both Lisa Kudrow and David Schwimmer were like, there's whole seasons of Friends I've never seen. Like, they've, <laughs> like, they've just never watched See, it's funny stuff. because you hear that and you're like, that's crazy. But then I also think, wouldn't it be more crazy if they were sat around watching Friends? Yeah, it'd be really weird if they <laughs> yeah. were sat about watching Friends. Wouldn't it? But, like, there was, there's a bit where they're talking about, they're talking about that episode where they throw the ball backwards and forwards. Yeah. 
And they turned to David Trimmer and they're all like, you remember, you know, we were throwing that ball backwards and forwards. That was you, wasn't it? And he's all like, what? I, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yes. And he just, no memory. And then it cuts to a clip of him doing that Amazing. in that episode. <laughs> and obviously we as the audience are all like, yeah, of course, of course that was you, man. Like, <laughs> but he, for him, I guess it was 20 years ago. 20 years ago, he was on set for hours at a time. And also, care, does he? also with some of them, I don't know if you've seen this, it's a really good phenomenon that like loads of blogs and BuzzFeed and stuff have captured. But I guess because of their schedules, especially as they got bigger, there's loads of classic scenes that they actually didn't film together. And yeah. if you look, there's loads of screen caps where like it's a split second, but it's like that person next to uh, Lisa Kudrow is not Jennifer Aniston <laughs> and they've had yeah. to get body doubles. <laughs> so it's like, I wouldn't even be surprised if they don't remember certain scenes because they probably didn't film them the way we saw them. It's just sliced together and edited to look like they shot it as an ensemble thing. But as they got bigger and certain people were doing films, they weren't even on the same schedule. Well, there's a really funny bit as well where, where Matt LeBlanc's like, well, I don't really watch anything with me in because like, I can't believe it. Yeah. Like, he's all like, he's all like, I mean, I see me there and I, I know I'm not Joey. <laughs> I, I, I know I didn't do that. Like, so I, I just don't really find it believable. And I was like, yeah, I guess. Like, it would be difficult to get absorbed in the in the fantasy of a TV show. Yeah. If you were one of the actors, right? Because it's weird. Cause I always wonder how much the guys in the MCU buy into things. Like, if you look at Scarlett Johansson, everything she does outside of the MCU is very character driven. You know, stuff like mm-hmm. Marriage Story. Um, lost in translation she's a character actress if anything i think people don't think of her like that because she's in massive films but everything she does is like a genre piece so then you yeah and she's brilliant and she's brilliant in those she's things genuinely so it makes fantastic. you wonder how much like how into mcu are they i think if you look at someone like chris evans he does amazing work in those things and i think a lot of people don't realize but he was about to retire before they offered mm. him Captain America. So I think clearly part of him does love it. You know, he had made more money than he ever needed to make and he was kind of, he'd been done films he was proud of. So I think someone like him does enjoy it. And you look at someone like Downey Jr., it's like, he probably grew to love it, but I think he was like, no one else is really offering me a job right now. People forget he was kind of an outcast in yeah, well, all the time. I wonder if it's like a day job for them. If I they're all like, is. I'll do this, I'll do this comic book movie. And then like, like I assume that Tom Hiddleston can afford to be in itv tv shows and stuff yeah. and not have to worry too much about it because like he's gotten paid so much from doing big old hollywood movies like yeah. maybe to them it's more of like a like it's their job yeah like i'm assuming that scarlett Hansen can afford to take netflix movies and still sustain her fantastic lifestyle because of the giant marvel checks yeah. right so maybe like that's her job and then the passion like marriage stories probably one of the best films i've seen in the last five years yeah. and it like it's a spectacular movie but i assume that it probably didn't give her i assume it probably didn't pay that well yeah. like i'm guessing that like it doesn't look like it's got a giant budget for anything do you know what i mean yeah. like um and it doesn't need one no. like uh but i wonder that about netflix films a lot like i watched have you seen that amy adams film where she's it's like rear window well the funny thing um, is that wasn't even a netflix film originally that no, was isn't it? it was another studio and because of covid they knew they couldn't release it and they were uh, hemorrhaging money spending money promotional material so netflix bought it for next to nothing and for what i've heard it hasn't streamed that well obviously netflix doesn't release their numbers but i've heard that it's not it's apparently not doing well in terms of streaming so it was grim yeah it was it was miserable um i, I love her right. but she makes some bad choices i mean i thought she was like i think i think she carried it pretty well but um it wasn't it wasn't a great film like but like yeah netflix i guess have also they also bought that film where millie bobby brown is uh 
Sherlock Sherlock Holmes' Holmes. little sister. (laughs) Sister? (laughs) Yeah. That was great. Really enjoyed that. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen Um, that. Yeah, no, it was really, it it was, I mean, it's it's very clearly a children's book. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not like, it's, it's not got any kind of like, dark underbelly to it like it's it's a it's a charming kids film but like it was very enjoyable uh henry uh, henry cavill gave a really good performance i think he's Sherlock really Holmes. good he once again is a person who keeps making terrible choices but i think he has more than enough of what it takes to be a leading man great um, comic timing good looking guy he can do dram- dramatic when he needs to he's not super he doesn't have a super amount of depth but he was great in mission impossible as well Fantastic. i do think and you know what you've done a perfect segue into something i wanted to bring up I was look. I was watching. I had a Mission Impossible marathon the other day, nice. and I realized Mission Impossible as a franchise is what the MCU should be. And what I mean by this is the similarities they have is so if you look at the Marvel films, it's the same film copy and pasted. Yeah, there is a good guy, slightly flawed, has daddy issues, comes up against their opposition. Somewhere in the halfway point, they will fight, and the opposition will win. Good guy reassesses himself. They have a fight at the end. Usually starts in the sky, ends on the ground. He wins. Character arc. He's a good person. Copy, paste for 10 years. Yeah, often the bad guy is the same as the good guy, but in a different way. Exactly. That, and they, they've been doing that for years. The Mission Impossible films. Ethan Hunt is on a mission. He fails spectacularly. He's somehow framed. He's disavowed. He needs disavowed, to clear his obviously. name. Yeah. And then, you know, rinse, repeat. They've been doing that for 10 years. But where the Mission Impossible franchise differs... So the thing they have in common is they both hire some of the world's most talented screenwriters and directors, really <clears throat> diverse and, uh, and, and, and creators who are known for having a unique voice. The difference is you can really see it in the Mission Impossible franchise. And that's why I think that that's what the MCU needs to be, because number one is clearly a Brian De Palma film. It deals with loads of paranoia. It's got weird Dutch angles. The, the oh score God, that, is great. Those Mission Impossible films are rubbish. It, 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 like, it, it has its charm, though. You can see what they're trying to do. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a perfect. Like what I found when I watched it back recently, though, was that like a nothing happens. Like, yeah. There's a whole long section in the middle where he just sits around in rooms looking scared. Um, it's it's obviously got that classic. It's before people know what the internet is, so the internet could be anything. anything the internet yeah. is full magic. Like <laughs> he just he just types random email addresses until he gets the right person, um, <laughs> and stuff like and and like that's really like. But yeah, it's it's. I tried to get Heath to watch that with me. Um, oh, I can imagine, I, I can imagine that, getting a kid to know, watch that nowadays would be pain. Yeah, and I thought <laughs> I thought this is a great like like I watched Mission Impossible first time when i was about his age when i was a little kid it came out it was the big hot action movie and i remember like falling in love with it yeah. you know what i mean and being like spies and, and the, i was so gadgets i was so excited and we, i tried to get him to watch mr possibly he just fell asleep halfway through. <laughs> and i was like and i was honest i was sat there in the room with him and i was all like yeah i see i see that man like yeah. like this is like whereas what i really like about the mission impossible franchise though is that there's, they've got nothing like i get that tom cruise is in yeah um and simon Pegg is in a weirdly high number of them yeah um but like they are like they just take that director and they go and tom cruise is just all like as long as it features me being a spy do what you want and that's the thing yeah you've hit the nail on the head because number two which is a mess it's a mess, but it's very Mission Impossible too. But it's very clearly a John Woo movie. There's doves everywhere. He has two guns for no apparent reason. He jumps <laughs> off a motorcycle. You know, it, he's doing lots of leg kicks. And then number three is J.J. Abrams, and it's 
lens flares everywhere. Both it's JJ helicopters. Abrams. You know, every one of these films has that unique vision. And even though uh, Christopher McQuarrie has kind of like nailed the last two, I'm almost slightly disappointed that he's doing the next two because I would yeah. love to see someone else's take on it. You know, I'd yeah, love so to see I, and I think Catherine Bigelow two, or someone. You know, I'd love to see someone else handle it and see what could happen with it. Well, then um, the last two form a really neat set, like as well. Like there are consistent characters across them. Yeah. Like uh, Rebecca Ferguson's just so She's good in both of them. Films, yeah. Um, like, but they 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 tell a story and it's over. And yeah. So yeah, there's a level at which I'm a bit like, I don't want more films by him. I want I want them to hand it to somebody. Complete. I, I mean, really, I want them to give it back to Brad Bird. Yeah. Because incredible how did how did christopher mccrory get two but he only got one like that's, <laughs> yeah. that's so unfair but like yeah like and i think in some ways like mission impossible 2 isn't just a john woo movie it's kind of the most john woo movie. yeah it's like somewhere and, and the same with abrams like that is the most jj abrams film lens flares everywhere <laughs> well it's not just that like it's like weirdly vulnerable characters who like get actually badly injured from from realistic things yeah. like uh like jj occasionally pays really strong attention to like distances and like how tired people would be yeah. in a way which is completely antithetical to most action films but like it's also a sequence of layered mystery boxes like they're all <laughs> like we have to get the thing but where is the thing? It's in the place. But how do we find the place? We have to get the message. There's that whole sequence in Mission Impossible 3 where he goes into a lab and you watch it from the perspective of the people outside the car. It's like the lab is a mystery box. And Tom Cruise's actions in there are all mystery boxed out of film. And then he just he just jumps out the window. Yeah. And 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 like for the rest of the film, I'm convinced that there's got to be like it's like a Chekhov's gun. There's got to be some sort of function to that, right? Yeah. Something must have happened in the lab that we don't know about. Because otherwise, why would, why would they not show us the action <laughs> sequence in the lab? But instead, it just doesn't matter. No. Like it's 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 classic JJ. Just like like he when he's on form is so good at like usurping your expectations of what Hollywood movies are going to do yeah. and going, hey, look at this thing over here. But it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like and actually in Mission Impossible Three, the 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 contents of the virus or whatever it is that they're after, it does not matter. No, yeah. All that matters is keeping Philip Seymour Hoffman away from his wife, <laughs> and like, and that's the whole. Rest core. in peace, and Philip Seymour Hoffman. He is incredible in that film. Spectacular. It's, but it's like, it's like the good bits of Lost. Like yeah. the good episodes of Lost aren't about that stupid overriding mystery, and they aren't about delivering endless answers and stuff. It's, it's all character-driven work. Yeah, and it's why the Star Wars, the Star Trek reboot works, and it's why his first, it's why Episode Seven. Yeah. so well because like what JJ is really good at is setting up intriguing scenarios yeah and what he's not good at is explaining things <laughs> yeah. at all there's like a, like there's a really good uh youtube video from uh patrick and williams patrick h williams um about how jj abrams is very good at starting things but not ending them yeah and um, like and yeah and it's like that holds up actually <laughs> yeah i think the lost i think the lost pilot is probably one of the best TV episodes I've ever seen him direct. Like, there is a reason that became a so worldwide big, yeah. phenomenon based on that episode, and it is because it's intriguing as hell. Yeah. Like, and 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 episode seven set up the new Star Wars trilogy and is one of the most the highest grossing films of all time. And it's not. I mean, it does rely quite a lot on being like, "Hey, remember Star Wars?" Yeah. Not as much as Rogue One. No. But like, it does have like a quite lot. a lot hey, of you that. Remember Chewie? You remember the Lenny yeah, Parker? Yeah, like I mean, I, my, 
my favourite bit in that movie is the bit where, where they're talking about how they're going to blow it up. And Harrison Ford's all like, there'll be some way to blow it up. There's always some way to blow it up. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, is this is this in character? Or he's were they just, just recording what Harrison Ford right was saying? Now. Yeah. It's, it literally it feels like maybe Harrison Ford was just saying that on the set. And they <laughs> caught it on camera and were all like, yeah, that, that, yeah, that, works. that works, right? <laughs> like, it, it really, like, he's so grumpy. Yeah. Like, but, and yeah, like, like JJ's really good at that stuff. Yeah. He really is. And I wish that Marvel would take some more cues from that because when you let Taika Waititi, Waititi, yeah, <laughs> when you let him run wild with Thor, it's get a better and Thor and film. And the thing like, is, what baffles me the most is of all these studios, look at your source material. Your source material is handled by a thousand different creators, different writers, comics. different artists. And I know that even a vision in this comic doesn't look the same as vision in that comic. I know it's the same character. I know it's the same history. Take that chance with the movies. Like in an age now when we have so many different special effects studios to give us so many different looks, you know, people laugh at DC and kind of their throw everything at the, the wall and see what sticks approach. But those films look different. Whatever you think of them and their quality as actual films, Joker doesn't look like the new Suicide Squad that's coming up and Suicide Squad doesn't look like the last Batman film. I mean, a lot of the Zack Snyder stuff looks the same. But, you know, even Wonder Woman 2, which I thought was a dreadful misfire, at least they went for something. It's big mm. and it's neon and it's loud, but it well, doesn't look like books, any of the other films. And comic books give no shits about character or yeah. consistency or tone or consistency. Like, you can literally be reading Batman one week and it is a completely, and then the next week you'll pick up the same Batman comic with the next number of it, and they'll be all like, artist and writer have changed, the whole tone is gone. Yeah. Like, the entire world is different. Like, regularly, they're all like, hey, remember the last 50 years? Maybe they didn't happen. <laughs> like, like DC are real bad for being all like, you know, maybe everything you know about Batman is... And I kind of love that, know. like... I mean, yeah. I'm really hoping the Batman's going to be great, but it looks completely different from the last iteration of Batman. You know, Robert Pattinson and Ben Affleck could not be more different. Ben Affleck was this huge, beefy, I'm not your dad's Batman, Batman. And it looks like Robert Pattinson's going to be like, I'm barely going to make out this out alive. I'm still figuring it out. I've just built the Batmobile. Like, it, I, I love that they're taking that chance. And at the time we re we're recording this, it's been like, what, two weeks, if even that, since the Eternals trailer came out. And I haven't heard that many people talk about it. And it's a shame because... <laughs> Shit! What, that, Eternals is Kirby. And if you go back and look at those panels, Kirby was bright and colourful yeah. and imaginative. And I have no doubt this is going to look gorgeous. But I think like you're really missing a chance by having his characters, having that source material yeah. and dumbing them down like this. And it, it, I was talking to someone the other day. Like It's a terrible example to use. But one of my favorite films for 100% purely nostalgic value it, it's, and it's not there's nothing to do with the quality of the film but Batman Forever and the thing is if you look at that film yeah it was made neon for a lot of the wrong reasons they were trying to course correct after Batman Returns didn't do the numbers it should do but if you look at that film it's bright and it's camp and it doesn't look like anything else that came before yeah. or anything since and and the thing is like say what you want that's a good cast those are good actors Val Kilmer incredible actor Nicole Kidman incredible actor you know, Tommy Lee Jones, Jim Carrey, they just needed a better script. If you had a script, let's, I mean, it would never happen. But if you had the Dark Knight script with that art direction, that's an incredible film. Yeah, probably. Right? I imagine, yeah. Like, I, 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 
I think that I, I quite like. I think that Schumacher gets gets more shit than he deserves. Like he I think did that some there's some great stuff on those films, and like and there's, there's a rich history of silly camp Batman. Yeah. That everybody wants to pretend doesn't exist. Well, this is the funny thing there, because like, people go, he was he wasn't faithful to the comic book. It's like or the source material. It's like what are you talking about? That is Poison Ivy. There has never been a more Poison Ivy. Poison Ivy. That's also, which which source material? Which source material? Because, material? Like, because I'm he's pretty faithful he... to all the insane Golden Age stuff, where Batman had a rainbow-colored suit for every day of the week. Yeah, and he's also pretty clearly based it on the on the '60s TV show. Yeah, and and it is like it is like a giant expensive version of that. Like, and there are bits. There's also like, I think there's something to be said for being, like, I understand that the idea of Batman's suit having nipples is silly. Yeah. Um. But I mean, do you know but, the story behind that? Because that's really well thought out. No. No, seriously. <laughs> so I bought um, a couple of years back. There was a DC exhibition in London, and I bought this book that was like the history of art in the DC exhibition. And they break that down. If you go back and look at the old Roman centurion armor, that's what that's based oh, on. Oh yeah. And that he makes based, sense. Schumacher had this really great theory about how these characters are are modern mythology. So it was him trying to pay homage, and of course, like. That didn't really translate, and so people were like, but he has nipples on his costume. But it was actually, it was, it, you know, th- it comes from a logical place. And there's lots of things in the film that are like that. I mean, it, just, just the fact they went to the trouble of building uh, miniatures for Gotham. And if you look at his Gotham in both those films, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It's really characteristic. It feels like a place where these characters would live. I mean, like, I like the Nolan films, but it's just Chicago. It's in such a boring <laughs> setting. It's just yeah, Chicago. the. the... And the Schumacher films look like a page from from a nineties comic. Yeah, not they look like insane. A, not, I mean, not like a real city. There's there's a scene where the Batmobile wears up a wall, and I've seen people say it's ridiculous, and it's like that's what the Batmobile should do. Yeah, like <laughs> I don't want it to be like a regular car. <laughs> like that's like like everybody's got a car. I, I and say what you want about bat nipples and bat credit cards. It's been like twenty five years, and people remember them, right? Um, like and and there's a lot of like. There's a lot of stuff. When I talk to people about like how much I dislike Zack Snyder movies, um, and when I'm talking about like Man of Steel or whatever, I'm often like, "Well, there was the scene where that happened," and people are just like, "Was there?" <laughs> <laughs> like, and, and I get that response loads and loads, where I'm all like, "Well, what about that bit? That was stupid, wasn't it?" And people are just like, "I don't, I, I don't remember, I remember that. that. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't really remember that film. Like, it's just like I, I, I left with a vague feeling that it was okay, and that'll do for me. And it's just a bit like, well." Well, maybe watch it again because it's not okay. Yeah. Like, it's it's not okay. Like that bit. There's a bit where Zod puts Superman in a in a bad dream machine, and Superman's having a bad dream. Does he like Zod sing to like a bunch of skulls or something? Yeah. yeah, he's he looks down at the ground, and the ground is made of skull made of skulls, and then he sinks into the skulls, and he goes no. <laughs> And it's just like, it's so bad. It's like Darth Vader coming off that thing. Bad. But there's no memes about it because it's just like part of the course for the Zack Snyder yeah. film. The only reason I remember it so well is because I, I sat in the cinema uh, and that was the point at which Chris turned to me and he said to me, you made me pay for this. Because um, <laughs> he was he was convinced that it was going to be garbage. And I was like, that's the writer of the Dark Knight. Zack Snyder's always almost making a good film he's always <laughs> he's always almost there superman's awesome like th- this is going to be the moment where superman you know where superman and the and the writing of the dark knight and 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 zack snyder's cinematographic talents they come together and they create a really special film yeah and yeah and we left the cinema afterwards and it was all like that was the worst 
thing and I've it's, ever and seen. And it's funny because you know, like you, I I mainly like I'm I I think the whole DC versus Marvel fanboy thing is stupid. You know, let's yeah. let's enjoy everything. But like you, I think I lean more towards Marvel because I I it was kind of my introduction to the into superhero world, and I grew up with most of the titles. And for people that know me, Spider Man's my favorite character. But I I want to see all these films win and succeed because I'm gonna watch them, no matter how many how many funny memes I make about the trailers, how much I bitch about them. I'm gonna watch yeah, all I'll of them. So I'd rather have them be good. And with Zack Snyder, I'm an apologist of his, and I also just wanted him to win because it would have been a win for Marvel because. I was hoping they'd do well and they'd be good because Marvel, like most studios, they just follow money. They don't care about principles or creativity, really. They care about money. So if someone like him was able to make a very streamlined artistic vision work on the mainstream, Marvel would have immediately gone, oh, maybe we should give these guys more creative control. Yeah. And it flopped. Absolutely. So it actually was gutting to me because... And it's a shame that Warner hasn't really released streaming figures for Zack Snyder's Justice League, which leads me to believe it didn't do well, because if it did, they would have been, you know, lording over Marvel's heads. And it's a shame. I wanted, I, I didn't enjoy it, but I wanted that to do well as well, because Kevin Feige would have looked at that and gone, hey, whoever we hire next, go do a five-hour, you know, magnum oh, opus. Do I mean, I don't want to see it, you know what I mean? But he probably would have said to somebody, he probably would have been more likely to say, oh, you want to do your take on... Yeah, just run Namor, with it. go for it. You know, you want to do yeah. a weird carnage film, go for it. But that's probably not going to happen. Well, what I still think as well is that, like, go watch the Mind of Steel trailer. I want that film. Yeah. Like, that trailer, that what that promises is literally the most exciting Superman, superhero film I've ever seen. Yeah. And actually, like, I find the Marvel DC thing funny because, like, I think that Marvel's films are better. But I also, like, I am bored of them broadly speaking like I've, I've seen a i've seen a thousand of the marvel films and i don't really want to like that's like, the one thing that wonder vision and falcon and the winter soldier the reason i'm excited about loki is because these disney plus shows have at least got their own feel to them yeah uh and they've got they feel unique but like i i definitely you know i definitely grew up reading marvel comics i have more marvel comics but it's not a big split like i've got like i would say it's two-thirds marvel like yeah. And I and I read more DC when I was a teenager and young adult than I did Marvel. Like I, I definitely Marvel for me peaked late nineties, early two thousands, and I don't think that I'll ever enjoy comic books, superhero comic books, that much again. Realistically, yeah, the way I feel about wrestling. Um, whereas I come back and there's always more good Batman coming. Yeah, always. And actually, there's always more interesting Superman stories because the older I get, the more I'm more like. Superman's the most interesting character. Yeah. Like because he doesn't have any inbuilt conflicts at all. He is he is extremely difficult to tell a story about. And that necessitates either well, you either get something very bland yeah. or You're it necessitates crazy. Yeah, or it necessitates a real unique twist on ideas that we're used to having. Like uh like I mean, if we're doing hot takes on superhero films that people that people hate. I, I think that the Green Lantern film with Ryan Reynolds is not that bad. That is a like, super hot take. <laughs> like it's That's a nuclear it, hot take. It's boring. It's very like boring. and it's and it's cheesy. But like the question that I ask myself when I'm watching that film is you can't like you what else do you do with the Green Lantern? Because you can't have a serious, gritty take on the Green Lantern. I think you he, can, but I think the problem is um, Can you he draws magic green? No, but here's the thing, here's the thing. Um Ryan Reynolds is a great Kyle Rayner. He's not a great Hal Jordan. Because Hal yeah. Jordan is, he's just Scott Summers type. He's just I mean, Steve Rogers type. He's, 
he's your dad's superhero. You know what I mean? He's he's. But very... that's a distinction for us, right? Yeah. Like you can just turn Hal into Kyle, and to the vast majority of the audience, it's the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there. No. Yeah. Like, and and it's not a good film. Like, it's <laughs> definitely. But I did go into it expecting it to be like funny bad, and yeah. it isn't. It's just like, it's just alright, isn't it? Like it's like Ryan it's Reynolds. It's just insane to me that the same man directed that and Goldeneye and Casino Royale. Yeah, like, the gulf is so big; it's crazy. I see that, but like, like I think that he was handed. I think that the Green Lantern is a borderline impossible task. Like, yeah. it's like I'm really interested to see what they do with the Fantastic Four because, like. Marvel have got to make a Fantastic Four movie now, and the thing with the Fantastic Four is that they're stupid. Like, yeah. like uh, the Human Torch is cool. You can make a cool movie out of that guy. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like Invisible <laughs> Lady with Force Fields, she works. Like Big Rock Man, it it, it could work. Like Korg looks great in Ragnarok, yeah. so maybe they could have a Big Rock Man. But like, Reed is never not going to look stupid. No, never. Yeah. Like it is a it's a stupid power like and 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 like it's why i'm really uncon- it's why i'm really concerned about the one piece netflix show because their main character is stretchy yeah and a it seems like the kind of thing that would cost a huge amount of money to do well but b i don't know how you do it in a way that doesn't look dumb yeah do you know what i mean like i just don't think that unless like, you lean in into green- it because if you remember there's a couple of scenes in the mask where like he gets run over and blows himself up again, stuff like that. And like, maybe sure. you just lean into the fact that it's a stupid power. Maybe you just address it head on. Everyone's doing their, oh my God, I've got a flame. Oh my God, I'm a rock man. Oh, no one can see me. And then he's just like, my oh. hand's gone floppy. Oh. Like, you know, yeah, like, yeah, like, you just get in front of it. Because yeah, when you're doing that final, you know, if it's going to be Doom again or whoever battle and he's just wrapping around the person, it's stupid. Well, again, and like, whilst it didn't come off fan stick, um, like I think that taking a body horror approach to it, I quite is, like, yeah. And is a logical even did interesting kind of... things where like Reed can like reconfigure his features to look like other people. Like maybe, yeah. yeah, maybe find new ways around it. I think there's probably a really good cut of that film though. Like oh, I, yeah, I, I believe, I, I, believe so. I believe that like that 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 there was probably a really good version of that film that that got sliced to pieces. Yeah. Like I kind of think that about a lot of one. Like I'm assuming that there's probably a really good cut of Rogue One. Uh, I mean, maybe not because See, you know what it is. The, 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 if you ever listen to the interviews with him, he he's a, a director with a great visual eye, but he says things in the making of like, I had loads of ideas for cool shots, and I had to figure out how to get those into the story. That's that's not uh, how you approach script writing, dude. <laughs> it's the bad boys two method. Yes, yeah. Creating like, a movie. Oh, these yeah. are my green screen, great screen crabs, even if they're not essential to the plot. And like, if you look at that film, that's why there's so many scenes from that really cool trailer that aren't in the film because they don't do anything for the plot of the film at all. It doesn't have a plot. The thing with Rogue One is that like, like sometimes I think back on it and I'm all like, ah, remember the characters? Like <laughs> that one person. <laughs> Like, like, thing. lady who <laughs> had robot? to get tape. Uh, angry robot. Yeah, in fairness, angry robot's good, right? Man with stick. Uh, Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> like, he was he was in it, wasn't he? That, that like, cheap cut price Han Solo. Like, he's getting his own TV his show. His own TV show. His own TV show. Like, smart Why? price Han Solo. We already Solo, know what happens to him. Well, that's, the, I mean, that's, in fairness, that's my problem with like yeah. I don't, I just, it's, I just don't. It's why the like, there's a moment in Solo where 
Chewie and Han are hanging off a train and the train is heading towards this rock. And obviously the tension in the scene is supposed to be, will they hit the rock? I know they they won't. I've seen them in six films. I think they're going to be fine. The whole end of Rogue One is being all like, will they get the tape? And it's like, I I already know that they get the tape. It's the plot set up for the most famous film of all time. (laughs) It's It's literally like loads of studios are falling into now. And it's like, I didn't need to see the Kessel Run. What's always worked about that dialogue is that we do it in our own heads. I remember someone said... um, It's like the Clone Wars, isn't it? Yeah. When in Black Widows, I was at the convention talking to someone and they said, I really hope there's a flashback to Budapest. And I was like, no, that dialogue works because we make up the scenario in our head, you know, especially when they're in the middle of an alien invasion and Mm. Natasha says, this is just like it. What the hell could have happened? That's the fun of it. I don't need you to show me. And it also works because we have to be watching something that's more exciting than it. That's the whole point. Like if, if, if the story that they're telling in the film is more exciting than the story we're watching, you failed. We should always be watching the most exciting thing that ever happened. It's like Indiana Jones 4, where he spends the entire movie being like, hey, remember that time that I went on that adventure that was more interesting than this? <laughs> You're like, yeah. No, I don't, mate, because that happened in between the last film and this one. But yes. I wish I was watching, I I was watching that. that. There's, um, yeah. uh, it's a funny thing to reference, but um, Tenacious D in The Pick of Destiny, there's a scene where <laughs> they perform the song that Tribute is about. And it's not great. It's like, you no, should have just left that on the cutting room floor. <laughs> yeah, just, just, just leave that behind. Like, it doesn't need to be there i don't need to like and it's kind of like like there's lots of like like there's lots of stuff on on disney plus that i've been looking at and it's all like it's all behind the scenes or making ofs or prequels or sequels and there's loads of disney are really bad for being all like but what happened after that film and i'm all like <laughs> I don't care. do i <laughs> okay, no, like we watched the Emperor's New Groove yesterday and it was great. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. It's just as good as I remember it being. And afterwards it was all like, Do you want to watch Kronk's New Groove? And I was like, I do not. I don't know though, <laughs> like, because it's probably not going to be as good, is it? Like, yeah. at best, it's going to be the same. And at worst, it's it's going to be worse. I mean, I've so, never like, seen them, but there's Beauty and the Beast sequels. And I feel like th- that's inherently flawed because he's not the Beast at the end of the first film. Yeah, what's that Beauty and the Man? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, who wants the to watch that? Rich man. Yeah, like, and have you seen, like, have you seen the Little Mermaid too? Yeah. Like, it's like, it's like the, like, because that's the other thing. It's the, it's the old reversal problem. Like, she's her daughter is a person who wants to be a mermaid, and it's like, who cares? Like, I already know what the plot of this is going to be. It's going to be exactly the same as the plot of the first one, but with two of the words reversed. Having said that, like, I'm hearing a lot of good reviews about Cruella. Uh, I've I've only seen one review and it was not particularly positive. Ooh. But I like Emma Stone. I do like Emma uh, Stone. And this, she's this, funny. This, this and... is the only reason I'm even giving it a kind of cautionary eyebrow because I'm like she usually picks good scripts. So she's Fuck. and she's very funny. Yeah. Like um, I think that it will probably serve in the same way that most prequels do. Is it might be an okay movie on its own merits. Yeah. But it's unlikely to be a good prequel to 101 Dalmatians because. I don't think such a thing exists. No. Like I don't think I don't think you could do the story of the lady who wanted to kill all the dogs. <laughs> like cuz cuz either she's not sympathetic in which case why is she our main character yeah. or she is sympathetic in which case she's not the character from that film. Yeah. So like either way what's the point? Like Although it's they like did, they did pull that off quite well with the um, Maleficent. I have not seen Maleficent. The, the uh, first is kind of like the king's a dick. She's been through a lot of stuff, and the king is a dick. So you kind of root for her. 
But also, I guess that that's probably easier because, like, it's not like I'm particularly attached to the character of Sleeping Beauty. Exactly. Like, you know, what I mean, like, it's not like I'm all like, oh, I was rude for Sleeping Beauty. Like, she is the blankest of canvases <laughs> that you could possibly have. So, like, you could turn Maleficent into anything, and I'd probably be able to root for her because the movie she's from doesn't really have a lot of character. Yeah. Whereas, like, Cruella Deville in 101 Dalmatians is a very clear character. Like, she is bad. Yeah. She is a bad person. She's a dog. <laughs> like he literally like they literally sat down and were all like what if she killed puppies and it's like yeah okay yeah sure i mean her name is cruel a devil yes like they, they really haven't yeah, spread it out for you <laughs> they've not left a lot of nuance there there's not a lot of space for her to be like you know sympathetic and i don't think that she's supposed to be no. like it's why it's it, you know it's why like I think one of the things that really works in the Star Wars prequels is how, like, the Emperor's already a dick, and there's no point at which the Emperor's not a dick. He is on his journey to being an even bigger dick, but, like, there's no there's no point where they're all like, ah, oh, poor Sheev, didn't he have a tough childhood? <laughs> because, like, that's not what we need from that character, yeah. and it undercuts the entire purpose of, like, I kind of don't really like how they try and make uh, Anakin, like, you know, no, yeah. like, sympathetic like i don't think they needed that i would have preferred it if he was just a knob and you were all like god he was always a real wang wasn't he i can see how he's going to turn out like i think they should have just made it about obi-wan really and then well hopefully they'll rectify that with the tv show please don't mess up the tv show like the sad story of how he thought he could mentor that kid into being less of a dick and then <laughs> failed. Like that's that's like you know like and that's I think that that's a that that could be a good story. Oh right? no, like listen, I'm gonna I, this kid is our only hope. I'm gonna raise him. He's gonna represent hope. Oh no, I've had to chop off his arms and legs. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, oh wait, he's a wang. But maybe if I just teach him real, uh, no, it still seems like a wang. Like actually, I kind of I kind of wonder. Like, because I think Hayden Christensen's performance in in those movies is like for the script he's given. Yeah, is pretty good. Like, listen, cause he he's... gets a lot of crap, but I can't name an actor on earth who would nail that sand line. Like, everyone talks about how DiCaprio yeah. was offered no. it. Even DiCaprio could not pull off the sand dialogue. It just wouldn't well, work. I, and I also kind of think, like, in a movie where they managed to make Samuel L. Jackson and Ewan McGregor look shit, <laughs> like, and and Natalie Portman, they all seem crap. It's all yeah. like, it's not, it's not because he's a bad actor, is it? Like. Like if 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 Samuel L. Jackson can't make it engaging, it's not working. It's for it. it's not going to work. <laughs> like it, like there's nobody on earth you could put in Anakin's role that would be no. all like, oh no, you know what? That's really good. Like maybe Anthony Hopkins. Um, <laughs> but uh, but like yeah, like even then though, like Anthony Hopkins, like I, we watched Meet Joe Black a couple of weeks ago, um, oh, no, which is a film I, which is a film I really like. Yeah. Um, but I like quote, I quote the Jamaican scene quite often. Oh my god, that was so that hurt me inside. I'd completely forgotten that, and it started, and I was all like, "Oh no!" Like, "Oh no, Brad Pitt, what's what's?" I mean, me and Beth have been watching quite a lot of old films, yeah. So, I think that like it's definitely not like like we've watched quite a lot of films from the '90s, and the frequency with which which films from the '90s are all like gay people, gross, right? <laughs> and you're all like, "Oh, dude, like I, I I'm supposed you? to I'm supposed to like you." Yeah. Um, yeah, like on the scale of of awkward things in old films, Brad Pitt's Jamaican accent wasn't. You know the what, worst. Brad Pitt? Considering how many of our '90s heroes are now being cancelled, and you go back, look back at stuff, and you're like, Ugh. Brad Pitt's come out relatively unscathed. Yeah, he's, he he <laughs> seems he seems like a decent enough yeah. dude, right? Like, and he's very good in that film. He's but very like, good in that film. 
he's, he's bonkers. I mean, that scene where he gets run over and just keeps bouncing like several yeah. times, it's insane. He manages to make eating peanut butter very engaging, which I think <laughs> is, 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 is an achievement. But like, nobody shares the screen with Anthony Hopkins and comes away being like, oh, weren't they great? Because yes. he's like, he's still a lot of what he's delivering in that movie is like super generic, I am the businessman yeah. dialogue. And yet, it's just spectacular. It's not like end of end of the first season of Westworld spectacular, but it is. Yeah. You know, it's not Silence of the Lambs. God, I need to go back um, to Westworld. Uh, the first season. I tell you what, that first season with Anthony Hopkins so is. Good. It's so. It's good. insane that it devolved into like it. What just became what became that third season. That third season is unwatchable. I liked season three of Westworld. Really? Yeah. Finish it. We'll talk about this in another episode. But that season is just. I just felt like they, it's so far think, from what they were building up to. I think Breaking Bad Guy is charming. Um, oh, I, I listen, I like the entire <laughs> cast, but I don't know. I guess for me, it was just such a hard right turn to, to especially the aesthetic you built up those first two seasons, and then to mm. suddenly be into like cyberpunk, sci-fi. Oh, we've got flying cars and you know these futuristic squads on the road. It was just like, oh, no, I don't know what this is. I don't think see. I like. Is. I'd prefer that. To, the thing I found was that, like, season two of Westworld is the one that I don't like yeah. because it's the same as season one but worse. Uh, I get that, I, like, but I do. I'm a kind of a sucker for the episodes that you're supposed to be a sucker for. I really like the Shogun World episodes, and I like yeah, I like the sure. stuff with the Native American characters. Yeah, the ones that are different. Yeah, but like all the stuff in the thing is that like nothing is ever going to. You can watch the first season of Westworld start to finish. It tells a complete story. It is spectacularly delivered. Everybody yeah. is fantastic in it. Like it. There's nowhere to go from that. Yeah, and, and then so it becomes, hey, remember that character that was this thing? What if they're actually this thing? Oh, wait, you hey, saw that if, coming? Well, what if they were this thing? Hey, what if we desperately paid Anthony Hopkins to be in a few episodes? <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe maybe, maybe this will be good, and it's all like, well, I mean, he's good, but no, it's not good. Like, I'm tired of watching Bernard's there at things. Confused. Like, um... Whereas, like, in the thing I liked about season three is that it gave us a new protagonist, yeah. and he is his own character in his own setting with his own story, and then Dolores is just kind of in it. Um, yes, and and I don't want to stop watching Evan Rachel Wood being Dolores, She's but I also good. don't want to watch her doing the same thing again. Yeah. So for me, season three was, yeah, I mean, Beth is very much with you. She thinks that it's it's slid downhill to the point where it's pointless watching it. But I, I thought it was fine. I thought it was like it's not, it's not peak tv but like you know i'm i've watched a lot of bad television yes, true. um and so like, i watched 11 10 seasons of smallville like <laughs> I, I i you know like i i've i've seen some awful have you ever seen ink master i think I it's have. like master chef but with tattoos yes i have yeah, I, and i'd erase yeah. it from my memory but you've put it back Me and watched like 13 seasons of that wow. over over the last year uh because i like looking at tattoos and that was pretty, I mean, it's it's horrible. <laughs> it's really misogynistic, quite racist. Uh, and yeah, there are points like at which you're all, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. Like, uh, there were lots of points at which I was like, oh, dude, Jesus Christ. But then at the same time, I like looking at tattoos. You know what I mean? Like, and 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 realistically, like, I'm not expecting it to change my perspective on the world, yeah. maybe a better person. I'm expecting it to present me with pictures of tattoos. Also, now I know quite a lot about how you do tattoos and and how you do good tattoos and what things are called and what stuff. Like, when I get more tattoos, I will Me know too. what to ask for. Like, uh, and I will be able to talk to the tattoo artist about, like, you know, 
aspects of that. And that's kind of interesting to me. Uh, and you don't get that. Like if you watch a one half an hour documentary on tattoos, you get yeah, as much information thing. as they can shove in. Yeah. But you don't get 13 seasons worth <laughs> of just subtle, granular knowledge, which is what I want. Like, uh, plus, you know, we've had a lot of time. And, yeah. <laughs> and realistically, like, there's like uh, there's a lot of content on Prime and Disney yeah, Plus. I know. Netflix. I've, I've had I've watched every episode of Gargoyles, and I've now started Dinosaurs. Have you? I watched all of Batman the Animated Series. That See, was that's what well, I need to get on. I'm, I'm well waiting for my Blu-ray to arrive. Okay, uh, so we're going to wrap this up, but cool, I want to ask you. We had to right off topic, haven't we? Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. We we we're interesting. Um, that's how podcasts work, right? <laughs> right. I was just asking, so what would you like to see from the season? Um, I would like it mostly if it's stuck with its premise. Whatever it is, however it's whatever it's going for, what I want is for it to commit to that. I want it to tell me a story and it to stay with that story until the end, not to reset to the status quo at the end. Not I would prefer no CG punching, but I understand that that's not necessarily you know a reasonable expectation from superhero stuff. But I would like it if whatever story it's telling, it has the like the courage to stick with it throughout yeah. in a way that neither Falcon and Winter Soldier or One Division did. Like One Division was a great story two or three quarters of the way through, yeah. where it felt the need to start setting up future Marvel stuff and resetting characters. And Falcon and Winter Soldier was similar. Like I like like the 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 fact that towards the end they were all like ah you know that other Captain America there he's he could be a good guy and I was yeah like, that was where did that, that come from what he's a knob yeah. like I thought like you spent literally three quarters of the well, series really weird because they really spent yeah the series going he's a dick we don't like this guy he's a dick and yeah. then they kept he's going they kept going hey Carly's kind of sympathetic we know she's done bad things ah. but she's sympathetic so I was like clearly she's gonna sacrifice herself to prove a point and you know that will make him realize that he's not the right Captain America. And then they were like, no, she's going to get shot trying to do something bad. And he's going to redeem himself by saving a bus full of people. Yeah, like, he, picked, he, he held up the bus. Like, like, that what? Was, <laughs> like, what I want is for Loki to, if he's going to go on a journey, I want him to follow that journey through, regardless of if it takes him somewhere that's inconvenient for later Marvel production. Yeah. Uh, and if he's not going to go on a journey, I want him to just stick to that and not try and shoehorn one in. The last yeah, this episodes. is true. Like, um, I think that it will probably be the best of these two. I hope so. I guess. I think that given that he's so good as Loki and that it's such a it's, it's such a good premise. Like it's 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 kinda like a quantum leap. Well, you know, I time cops kinda You know with all these shows, you go online every week and obviously we discuss it and Marvel Marvel just loves messing with us. So, you know, they'll drop yeah. a little logo or something here and there, everyone's like, oh, the Grim Reaper or in Mephesto or whatever. This is the show. Everyone, you know, everyone was hyped about those last two seasons. This is the show that can deliver on Cameo Central. It's time yeah, travel. So we can go you back want, no. to the formation of S.H.I.E.L.D. We can go to a timeline. You know, obviously, we now exist in a timeline where there were, I guess, two Captain Americas at one point. The Steve who went back and decided to be with Peggy. And then the no, Steve no. who was found in the ice. I don't think that that... I don't think... I don't think that time travel from the end of Endgame works logically. It's, it, it's, it's a brain buster. But I mean... All those people who were hoping Steve was going to cameo in Winter Soldier, I think this is the thing that makes the most sense. Even if it's a five-second thing where he's in the background of a scene, we can see that Steve that was with Peggy. You know, you might see that. Did them... he just let 9-11 happen, though? There's a great skit about that. I wish I could remember what it was called. Did he just, I like... find it. But, yeah, there's, like, 
It's basically Peggy's trying to... He just to, sat like, by while JFK got shot. Yeah, Peggy's just, like, I think like, I want to go in... Um, you know, she's reading the newspaper. She's like, oh, the Hindenburg's flying this weekend. And you could see him, like, looking really nervously. <laughs> yeah, like, like, like that seems... Like, I, I, I feel like it would make more sense if the timeline which he went in back in time to split off yeah. and was a completely different world where Captain America reappeared, never got frozen, essentially. Yeah. And that there's... Maybe in that world, there is another Steve in the ice, yeah. but we, we don't worry about that too much. But, like, I mean, I even, can't... even on a personal level, it means he let Bruce Banner get destroyed by that horrible gamma ray yeah i can't like, i can't get on board with the idea that he just sat there and let all that stuff happen he, he let that seems, he let that seems... um, tony go to afghanistan and get shards in his heart you know <laughs> he let, let bucky he let bucky kill tony's let, parents yeah like <laughs> yeah like i just i can't i can't i can't i yeah, can't you get have to hope it's a, bu- it's a butterfly effect thing where he, that one change him being in the universe just kind of rippled off and yeah, like whatever, either way. Um, but yeah, no, I think that I think it's going to be a good. I think it's going to be the best of these of these Marvel shows, and I think that we're going to be back here talking about episode one and being all like, "God, that was, that was just excellent." Yeah, and then I think we're going to feel that way about episodes two, three, four, probably until the last. Probably the second to last. At which, bit, point, at which point we're going to be a bit like, "Oh, is this? <laughs> fool, is fool this me once, Marvel. They... Shame on you. Fool is me twice. I'll keep subscribing." <laughs> Yeah, fool, right, me, guys. fool me 16 times. <laughs> right, guys, you've been listening to Panels and Bars, episode one. If you liked it, please let us know what you think on social media. You can find the channel at Panels and Bars on Twitter and Instagram. My handle on both of those is BB Manic. Paddy, where are you at? Oh, God, I don't know. Um, on Twitter, I'm at Patrick E.K. Allen. Uh, my Instagram is i think so i don't know if anybody could find me at that but i will set up some sort of you know public facing social media presence yeah, I mean, like I said, you then... can find us on the panels and bars that's the channel so if you have something for either one of us or for just the channel let us know give us uh, your feedback about what you think about loki and let us know anything you want to cover going forward we're obviously going to try and cover things as they happen so we'll probably re-watch the original suicide squad <sighs> when james gunn's uh, sequel comes out and uh, we'll probably, I don't know, maybe we'll watch Batman in the animated series in time for Robert Pattinson's yeah. The Batman. Um, yeah, but, you know, we, should watch, we should watch Batman forever. 100%. Yes, let's do that. Um, but anything else you can think of that you'd like us to see, bad films, good films, films you don't think get enough credit, as long as they are in the realm of geek-adjacent stuff, we will check them out. So um, hit us up at Panels and Bars. Um, whatever platform you're on, please like this, subscribe, give us a comment. It's going to help us become more visible to other people. And um, if you have time, tell your friends and family. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening.